Welcome back to Broadway Sports Radio. My name is Zach Lyons, and we are here with Michael Herndon. We are both brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go there today to get you yourself a subscription, but also go there today for also the free articles. We have all kinds of free agency information coming at you. Everything we're talking about today is actually in more detail on the website, so go there today. Alvin Bud Dupree is a Tennessee Titan. And to be honest, no one should be shocked that he ended up in the two-tone blue. This was kind of like the writing on the wall. This is the one guy that pretty much we were all skeptical about, right? That was the guy that we were like, uh, don't know if we really want him. Is he a product of the Steelers, you know, defense and all that? Is he really that good and blah, blah. And then we all shifted to like Carl Lawson. Like that's the guy we got to have. We should have known it was always going to be Bud Dupree because he's the guy that we're lukewarm on, right? That's how the Tennessee Titans like to treat uh, all of its analysts and stuff. So Bud Dupree signed a five-year, $82.5 million contract with $35 million guaranteed, $16.5 per year. That's all we know at this point in time. I, like I said, skeptical. I started coming around a few weeks ago watching some film and looking at Bud Dupree. What I like most about him is this dude is violently fast. Like, I think that's the best way to describe him is that he's, he's super just, fast. He's, he's also violent. just violent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like... It's like basically uh, for those comic book nerds that may be listening to this, he's basically reverse flash. He's super fast and he's probably going to murder your, murder someone on the field. So Bud Dupree is in two-tone blue coming off an ACL tear. He's already in rehab, already showing progress made. I mean, you take him and Danico Autry, and I know that the defense is going to be lacking in other areas, but you take him and Danico Autry, Pass rush is 10 times better than it was last year, theoretically, on paper. It, it's a lot better. It's a lot better. Yeah, Bud Dupree, I mean, I, there are reasons to have some concern. Like you said, the ACL, the the surrounding talent in Pittsburgh, obviously he's not going to quite have that here. Although I think when you really look at it, if you say Landry, Autry, Simmons, plus Dupree, that's, that's good to be a pretty nice foursome on paper. Uh, to rush the passer with. But I, the thing I, I, I like about Debris, he is, um, like you said, explosive, explosive athlete, powerful athlete, um, really plays hard. He was beloved in Pittsburgh. All of his teammates absolutely loved playing with him. He's been cited by basically every reporter who covers that team as one of the biggest uh, personalities and the biggest voices in that locker room. I think that's that's something that probably, though I was a little bit surprised by that because from an outsider looking in on that team, you know, you just don't you don't see Dupree in that light necessarily. And I, I don't know if that's because of how his career started, you know, versus where it is now or whatever. But this is a guy who is eighth in the NFL in sacks over the past two years. Um, and that is with him missing five games at the end of last season with that, that injury. So his sack per game pace over the past two years is among the top five, I believe in the NFL. So, you know, he is, he's a big time production guy as far as sacks on paper the last, last few years, he's a guy that's gotten better and better and better as his NFL career has gone on. I know 
Um, I, I've been going back and looking at scouting reports and stuff like that. A lot of people talked about how raw he was coming out of Kentucky. So the fact that he struggled early and kind of built to what he is today, testament to a guy who came into the league and worked hard, even after getting paid first-round pick money, even after getting paid franchise tag money last year. I don't think he's a guy that you're going to be worried about like some of the Titan signings last year coming in, getting his paycheck and saying, all right, well, I'm good. I'm coasting now. I think Dupree is going to come in and be an attitude guy for this defense. And the Titans defense is losing some attitude guys, right? Like Daryl Casey was an attitude guy. Uh, Logan Ryan was an attitude guy. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro was an attitude guy. They need more guys like that to kind of backfill some of those uh, big leaders and big time uh, emotional uh, kind of linchpins in this defense. And I think Dupree is going to be that for them. And if you start to look at some of the, there, there were some good stats. Um, I tweeted them out from next gen stats, uh, the, the NFL's official uh, advanced stats uh, department. There's, they tweeted out some stats with Bud Dupree on the field versus off the field in 2020 for the Steelers defense. And the pressure rate for the Steelers defense with him on the field was 48.7% on third downs with him off the field, 30.5%. That if is I'm a looking at this right, reduction. behind the still curtain, uh, with Bud Dupree in 10 games, they got 32 sacks. That's 3.2 sacks per game. Without yeah. Bud Dupree, including the playoffs in nine games, 13 sacks, 1.44 per game, 10 turnovers, in nine games without Bud Dupree. With Bud Dupree, 18 turnovers, 1.8 per game. That is a wild stat for Bud Dupree. And here we're all thinking here in Titans world, we're all concerned about, oh, well, Bud Dupree, I mean, he's obviously a product of the Steelers' defense. That kind of makes you wonder, is the Steelers' defense a product of Bud Dupree? You don't know. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's pretty wild, right? yeah, it's something you at least it at least makes you raise your eyebrows and say, hang on, maybe we've been looking at this the wrong way. Because and, and if you look at the way Bud Dupree plays, right, I, I think there's some merit to the idea that he's a force multiplier for other guys on the defense. Because in and a way, he was he's a slow of, developer, too. So that was yeah, the other thing. True, true. Uh, and, and I think he's a little bit of, you know, I, I, I hate making this count, you know, this comparison because Titans fans are you know, have such a bad taste in their mouth over the way Clowney uh, performed as far as stats go last year. But he's got some Clowney elements to his game, right? Like he is extremely violent. He is extremely uh, powerful. He's able to to get push even when he's not necessarily beating his man around the edge. I, you know, he's not a super bendy edge rusher or anything like that. Nobody's going to confuse him with Von Miller. But he's able to push the pocket. He's able to collapse tackles. And that pushes quarterbacks to other players. So if you've got Bud Dupree collapsing your left tackle, uh, and then you've got Harold Landry coming around the other side, you know, maybe the quarterback has to flee right into Landry's lap or, or same for, for having to step up in the pocket. And then he's right there with Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons. So that's kind of how I can envision that happening. And, and honestly, uh, our, our uh, co-worker over at broadwaysportsmedia.com, Justin Graver, made this great comparison the other day in our group chat. Uh, so I'm going to totally rip it off from him here. Um, but this is kind of like 
when Brian Arakpo signed with the Titans uh, back in 2015. Arakpo was was 29 years old. You know, Dupree, I think, is 28. Uh, he was coming off of an injury. He had the first round pick pedigree. He had some productive seasons right before uh, right before he had been injured. He came here and he produced. He produced. He played really well. Like the Titans defense was the bright spot back in the 2015, 2016, 2017 era of this franchise. Like they were they were helping keep that that team at least around. Um, and the effect that he had on Derek Morgan was profound. If you look at Derek Morgan's sack, sack stats, he never had more than six and a half sacks in a season. And then the second year that Brian Arakpo is there, he gets to nine sacks, and then he has seven and a half sacks. So his two best seasons as a pass rusher in Tennessee came with Arakpo on the other side. So Harold Landry should be very happy to have Bud Dupree here because I think you could see Landry – getting a boost in production simply from having Bud Dupree playing opposite him. Well, and the good news is, is that uh, when teams go to four wide, they can both cover the the slot corners on each side of the field. <laughs> okay, so let's move on real quick. We're going to breeze through Jeff Swain. Uh, he played for the Titans last year. He's mainly a primary blocker. He signed a um, one, he signed a one-year deal, 2.25 guaranteed. It's a 2.4 cap hit. Uh, that's what he got. And tr- then we let's get into the cuts. Dennis Kelly cut a Dory Jackson cut. There are rumors just swirling, and and there is a telling situation with all this too. That there is something to the rumors. We know that Logan Ryan back in when he did the radio show with one hundred four point five the Zone here locally, he talked about a Dory Jackson being a fir- a, la- a last guy in, first guy out, right. That came straight from uh, a leader in the defensive back's room mouth. I think everybody just kind of glossed over it. Not a big deal. But he is a very laid-back, nonchalant guy. And, and I have met him a few times and had had conversations with him and stuff. He probably does not remember me, but, you know, it is what it is. And then you, you hear about how long the rehab process took on his uh, tendon. You know, the we never knew anything about it. And he gets cut. They saved $10.24 million against the cap. They basically technically rescinded his fifth-year option, but just basically cut him before it went into fully guaranteed mode. Are you, And they create this massive hole where Christian Fulton, it's Christian Fulton, Breon Borders, and I guess technically Chris Jackson, right? I mean, we had worse last year, I feel like, or we saw worse, <laughs> worse last year. But um, at this point, when they cut him, that's who we have on the roster. We, we, when we look at the roster, that's who they got. What are your thoughts on this? Are, are, are you a little shocked? Or do you, do you think that this is the right move at this point? You know, I'm surprised. I, I want to see again, like I, I want to see what their plan is because, you know, obviously they, they're signing Janoris Jenkins, according to, you know, his agent. We'll talk about him in just a minute. So I think that's part of the, the answer there. But I think there's another move to come and whether that's a free agent or a trade, <clears throat> Stefan Gilmore. Um, I, I think there's more to come on this, but I think you're right. I, I think, you know, the words that John Robinson said last month when he had his press conference and he talked about, we need guys that can 
you know, know how to keep their body healthy, who can finish the season, who can fight through injuries and still perform well. Those words jumped into my brain as soon as Adoree Jackson was released yesterday because, frankly, and, and we saw a report from Terry McCormick uh, as well on this, that it sounds like the Titans may have been a little bit frustrated with Adoree Jackson and the whole injury deal last year. And if that's the case, you know, combined with, you know, I'm not going to call the guy lazy. Like, obviously, he came in and, and worked and, and played relatively well. I mean, I, I still stand by the fact that in 2018, 2019, he's probably the Titans' best corner. Um, now, the bar wasn't extremely high, but I think he was a little bit better than Malcolm Butler. Um, you know, Logan Ryan, it, you know, maybe a better contributor in other aspects of the game. But as far as cover corners, I thought Adoree Jackson was your best guy. Um, and I thought the light was starting to come on for him. So it's a little bit surprising to see them ditch him after, uh, you know, one really disastrous year because after he came back, he played really poorly um, too. So, but I kind of get the sense that they weren't totally in love with him as far as what he, what he is to them. Like, you know, he, like you said, just kind of a laid back guy, chill, I don't think they like those types of people in that building. I think, I they, think want they want to jam more at the line. And I don't yeah. know if he's that physical kind of guy. I mean, he's a great speed guy, great down the field, you know, recovery, you know, kind of recovering and stuff. But I don't think he's the kind of guy. I think they want more Malcolm Butler's and Logan yeah. Ryan's than they want a Dory Jackson's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think and, they want more Malcolm Butler's for sure. Like that, Terry, that's the guy. Yeah. And Terry McCormick said that he had heard talk that Titans were not enamored with Jackson's during his rehab process. So, I mean, I think that part of that is, is that uh, granted this is all whispers behind the scenes, but it, when you take all these whispers, tie that into what Logan Ryan said, but then also tie it into what the players reactions was to, to uh, when the cut was released, you know, when Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro got released, People came out were very shocked, right? Like the players were and stuff. When Dennis Kelly got released at the same time as Dory Jackson, a lot of it was towards Dennis Kelly, right? Not a lot was towards Dory Jackson. I think if you tie all this evidence together, it makes a compelling case that, you know, they tagged Dory Jackson or picked up his fifth-year option last year in hopes that he was going to put it all together out on the field, right? And they didn't. And, or he didn't, and it is mainly due to injury, and maybe the injury got ex exasperated by his lack of commitment to the rehab process, and now he's gone. They took it away. Speaking of Dennis Kelly, he's got cut, and that's a $3.4 uh, million cap savings. And on Football and Other Efforts this week, our normal podcast, which is released every Tuesday, rate, review, and subscribe, I brought up that when the with the signing of Kendall Lamb, who signed a contract that is uh, pretty inexpensive. I mean, it's a $2.6 million cap hit that the Titans could cut Dennis Kelly and save 3 million against the cap and get out from under his contract. And sure enough, that actually came true and it's a surprise, but you know, we were talking in the group chat and we don't, I think the majority of us don't think that there is a big drop off between what Dennis Kelly could potentially bring or brought in Kendall Lamb because they're they're essentially the same kind of guy, a guy that nobody really knows. And 
you know, last year when Dennis Kelly was slated to take over the right tackle spot and then they drafted someone, but when they signed Dennis Kelly, we said, eh, he's just a guy. He could probably do it. We don't know if he could do it for a full 16 games, right? He's never played a full 16 game season. Kendall Lamb, on the other hand, had played a full 16 game season in 2018 with the Houston Texans and only allowed, uh, I believe, two sacks. You know, it's, I don't think it's as big as drop-off as everybody's going to make it out to be. Dennis Kelly, listen, Dennis Kelly had a great year, but we none of us were expecting to have the above-average year that he had. And credit to Keith Carter, he got really good years out of guys like Ty Cimbrello and, you know, uh, Aaron David Brewer, Questenberry. David Questenberry. Why can't he get a good you know, good year out of Kendall Lamb. And that's all you really need because after next year, you can cut him in a $150 cat, uh, dead cap hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and yeah, kudos on your uh, call on the podcast uh, earlier this week. It was, uh, I was, I was skeptical. I thought this guy was uh, their Ty Sambrello for this year. You know, obviously they, they like to have a solid swing tackle on the roster behind uh, their starters. And I still think they're probably going to address that position again. Uh, probably in the draft is, is what I guess at this point. That's me throwing um, up at it, the thought of us I mean, drafting a first round it, tackle. It doesn't have to be a first rounder. Right? It's it. I think you pick a guy at some point though. It's a it's a good tackle class. So even though I wouldn't mind Leatherwood at fifty three in the second round, but not the first. right. I mean, yeah, something like that could be a, a good deal. So I don't know. I I think um, like you said, the the Titans kind of benefit. Like they're going to have Taylor Lewan back. Um, they've got borderline Pro Bowl All-Pro guys on the interior right now. Saffold, Jones, and Davis are all playing really high level. They all got All-Pro votes uh, last year. So when you've got four guys that are rock solid and you got one guy that's maybe a blinking light, you can help that one guy. Like, you can leave a tight end over there. Your right tackle is off in a spot where you're going to leave a, a, a little help anyways. Uh, and having Lawan to balance that out where you're not having to help Lawan, you can leave him on an island even against good pass rushers, and, and he can get the job done. That's going to help you tremendously to hide whoever your right tackle is. So if it's Lamb, you know, fine. i uh, not not terribly worried about that. Um, but we'll see. I, I think there's an, another shoe to drop for sure at the, the right tackle position, likely in the draft. We'll pick up this conversation when we come back from the break. We'll we'll continue breaking down Dennis Kelly, Kendall Lamb. We also got Janoris Jenkins, and we need to tell you what's next for the Tennessee Titans, and we're going to get into that right after the break. Welcome back to Broadway Sports Radio. It's the last segment, and we I still feel like we have about 30,000 things to get to. We're going to try and cover it all. I'm joined by Mike Miracles. My name's Zach Lyons, and let's talk about – let's continue talking about picking up where we left off about the loss of Dennis Kelly. Obviously a well-liked guy, but obviously a guy that not many people had high hopes for in 2020. And, and he, he crushed those uh, doubters pretty easily, I, I'd say. I'd say you got your money's worth out of him. He is a cap casualty. The Titans saved $3 million. Kendall Lamb, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in on this, this idea that I think Keith Carter can can get him, but I still am with you. I think they address him. I, I think there's a, three guys that I think should be on everybody's radar that are not first-round guys because I don't want to write tackle in the first round. I, do, I don't care who's there. I just I, – I can't take it, Mike. I can't take <laughs> – I can't take it. Can't do it again. Can't do it again. 
Alex Leatherwood in the second. Alabama, uh, right, or he was an Alabama tackle for the Tennessee, or my gosh, he was a tackle for the University of Alabama. Uh, I think then you have the next guy down is James Hudson from Cincinnati. And then there's an intriguing guy I really like that's from Notre Dame who's kind of a swing tackle-esque kind of guy that could probably work out at right tackle for the majority if you buy him a little bit of time. That's Robert Hainsey. Now, you may have not have watched any film on these guys, and obviously, depending on what the rest of free agency does, everybody's going to have to start watching film on these guys. But that's kind of how I think you can re- you can you can handle that, right? I mean, can't can't you as a Tennessee Titans fan or a guy that covers a team, one of those three guys in those later rounds, I'd be happy with and think that okay, maybe our right tackle's not immediately sub, but these guys can develop into uh, uh, we got time kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, I, I think I think that's what you look for. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think they want to go tackle at 22 because I, I think you'd love to go, you know, maybe corner uh, or receiver, depending on what they do at those positions uh, over the next couple of weeks. I think you'd love to look at those two spots uh, at 22. But, you know, a guy like Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State is a good right tackle prospect. Maybe he's there in the in the second or third round. Uh, you know, all these guys, almost anybody you could say that, oh, well, they might go in the first. Yeah, but there aren't like seven or eight tackles that are going like Jackson Carmen from uh Clemson is another guy that's kind of a big mauler type, uh, that would fit the mold of what they have traditionally looked for, uh, at, at right tackle. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of guys in this draft. It's a good it's a good draft for tackles. We we are uh, looking at an opportunity for for John Robinson to kind of make right the wrong of, of Isaiah Wilson pretty quickly, um, and, and basically reset you know a year later at uh, at at that spot. Well, speaking of trying to right the wrongs, we're we're seeing John Robinson trying to right the wrongs of the cornerback uh, room apparently. We've already talked about the uh, cutting of Adoree Jackson. And now here comes Janoris Jenkins. And that will be the last time you ever hear me say Janoris Jenkins. Fair warning. He will always be referred to as Jack Rabbit from here on in. That's exactly actually what he prefers. He only takes interviews if, if people will only refer to him as Jack Rabbit. So that's what we're hoping for, that we can be the pro Jack Rabbit radio show. Maybe we can get Janoris Jenkins on the show. Janoris Jenkins played with the Saints last year. They cut him due to cap casualty. Some stats for Janoris Jenkins. He allowed a 79 passer rating last year. He got three interceptions. He only allowed three touchdowns, and he had five pass breakups. He's on the wrong side of 30, Mike. And obviously, this will be an inexpensive deal. And this is, but I kind of view this as a guy that could be a Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler-esque kind of guy. He loves demand coverage, and that's what I think we want to see the Tennessee Titans do, and that's what they want to do is they want to do more man coverage and allow more, more time for you know people to get in the pass, you know, to get to the quarterback and get in that backfield. Thoughts on the Janoris Jenkins? You know... He's definitely on the older side. Like, he's 32, um, and that's kind of your initial response is like, man, does this guy have anything left in the tank? But 
you go back and you look at, at Saints people uh, who covered the team, followed the team last year, and a lot of them, multiple people. Remember, this is a team with Marshawn Lattimore uh, on it. A lot of people said stuff about Janoris Jenkins being their best cover corner last that year. Is, that is wild. Jenkins was <laughs> really good for them Yeah, last when he told season. me that, I was like, oh. I know, I know. It, yeah, it, 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 I, at first I was taken aback, and so I was like, oh, this is just one guy. I found it multiple places where people talked about him being their best cover corner a year ago, and, and that's really startling when, when you think about how good Lattimore is. Um, but if you look at the numbers, over the last three years uh, in the NFL, the entire NFL, Denoris Jenkins tied for second in pass breakups with uh, Stephon Gilmore. Um, just James Bradbury's the only one above, above them in that category. He is still playing at a really high level. He plays man coverage. Uh, that's, that's his game. He is a man cover corner. Um, and that's what the Titans want to be. So that makes perfect sense from a scheme standpoint. Obviously he's not like a part of your long-term plans, right? I think this is a guy that you sign to give you good play right now so you don't necessarily have to jam a corner into your starting lineup week one um I, you know i think you if you draft a corner pretty early on you can play him ro- rotate him in uh get him in the mix and then you know a year or two uh you know or probably next year in 2022 you're looking at that guy as the starter and jenkins has either moved into a rotational role or or just moved off the roster i'm guessing this is going to be essentially a one-year contract, maybe two tops uh, that they can get out, out of easily after one. But yeah, that's exactly he's what a I'm good player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what's kind of surprising is that he is playing at a high level and he should come in at least, at the very least, half the price of Malcolm Butler. I mean, he would, may even be less than half the price that Malcolm Butler was. And he's probably just as good as Malcolm Butler I mean, that's maybe he's, a stretch, but he's I don't know. Good. I think he might have been better than Butler last year. I mean, and, that, and Butler was really good. Um, but Jenkins was right, right there as far as like if you look at any of the numbers, um, Jenkins might have been better, really numbers wise. Obviously, he's playing in a better defense, which has something to do with it, with a better pass rush. Um, but if the Titans can relatively, you know, if they can get what they think they can get out of Autry and Dupree that's going to help a guy like Jenkins too. So I, I really like him uh, as a player. And, and one thing that, that kind of caught my eye, um, our, our friend John Glennett at broadwaysportsmedia.com uh, tweeted this out yesterday from an article that was written, uh, I think from uh, Jenkins' time in New York. I'll have to, uh, to check that. But uh, basically one of his former coaches was talking about uh, Jack Rabbit and uh, said that, he is one of the most competitive players he has ever. Uh, it, it was Steve Spagnolo when he was in the in, in New York. He said Janoris is one of the most competitive players I've coached in the uh, NFL. When he walked through the door, our practice intensity went up tenfold. He made the other DBs better just by his example. That is the kind of guy that you want on the team, especially with a young corner like Christian Fulton, uh, you know, in the fold, and likely another draft pick coming. This is a guy that. You know, he, he gets kind of a bad rep because, you know, he had some issues at Florida. He had some issues early in his career. You know, he's not, you know, 
not he's, clean. He's had some. He's had not some clean issues, history. right? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, but as far as like a football culture guy, I think he is very, very good for the locker room. And you want a guy. I think Malcolm Butler was this guy for the Titans. He brings the juice uh, to practices. He is going. He loves football. That is Janoris Jenkins, and you don't last in the NFL for ten years like he has if you don't love football. Um, so I think he's he's a guy that will help them in a lot of ways uh, beyond just on the field. It's funny they get rid of a Jory Jackson with all these this evidence that he's not that kind of guy, and then turn around not an out an hour hadn't even passed and announced his signing. So it's like they probably were. Maybe waiting for uh, this signing before they cut a Dory, but we'll see. Now, let's get into the future. Now, we obviously need to see the Titans sign a wide receiver. Maybe two, because they're being so cheap right now. You never know. Uh, not, not the Titans, but the, the wide receivers contracts. Um, they obviously need another defensive back on, on this team. And they probably need one more edge rusher and a couple more role players. You know, here's what I'm thinking. If they walked away with Will Fuller, Xavier Rhodes, and Ryan Kerrigan in this next wave of, of, of free agency basically happening, and then pick up a couple role players here and there, that's pretty successful. Don't you feel like? Don't you feel like that? Don't you? Here, and here's the thing. If you have Ryan Kerrigan, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree combined with Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry, and then you have Kevin Byard back there with Amani Hooker. And then you have Xavier Rhodes, Christian Fulton, and Janoris Jenkins. Isn't that defense almost at every level either the same or better than it was last year? I, I think it's probably better. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's hard to imagine it being a whole lot worse. And, and frankly, I know a lot of people are upset because, you know, a lot of players that had played well at least at some point in their Titans career sound like they're going to be moving on. Like, I mean, Jayon Brown was a popular guy here. Um, Adoree Jackson had his moments. Malcolm Butler was popular at the end. Kenny Vaccaro was pretty popular. But all those guys contributed in one form or fashion to a defense that was absolutely abysmal last year. Um, so regardless of how well they might have looked like they were playing individually, as a group, it did not work. Like, in the Titans – we complained all last season about this defense. We said we wanted to, wanted uh, them to be shot into the sun. The Titans have shot them into the sun. Like seven of the 11 players in their base defense that were projected starters at the beginning of uh, 2020 are no longer with the team already. You know, Daquan Jones, Jack Crawford, Jayon Brown, Jadavian Clowney, Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, Kenny Vaccaro, all those guys are gone. Uh, the only four real starters that are going to be carrying over from day one of 2020 to day one of 2021, as it stands right now, and, and who knows if they're completely done, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, and Kevin Byard. That's it. Everything else is going to be new. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Like They are pressing the blow up, blow it all up button and starting from scratch. And Let's see what happens. I, I It's not going to be worse. I, I'm pretty confident saying that. I, I think, I know people are worried about you, uh, the team missing Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. And I get it. I mean, they are, they are very talented guys, right? They're, they're two talented guys. But also look at what the defensive backs were able to do last year and us still go 11 and five with no pass rush, right? 
So that is the floor. Your floor is no worse than Malcolm Butler, Jonathan Joseph, and um, and uh, what what's the other guys? Uh, Chris Jackson three, starting three on game. borders. Three yeah. on borders starting the game. You know, that's your floor, right? Your pass rushes are already technically surpassed, and it will get better. That's going up. If that's your floor, and to me, a combination of Xavier Rhodes, Christian Fulton, Janoris Jenkins, Breon Borders, and a draft pick, that's better than what they had last year half the time or 90% of the time on the field for the Tennessee Titans when they went 11-5. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I know people are down on the rest of this cornerback class, but they're obviously going to be a little bit, you know, inexpensive. And I get it. They're not, you know, sexy young names out there because William Jackson got picked up by the uh, Washington football team. But, I mean, you don't need young and sexy. You need someone that is at least going to get you through this season better than you got through last season. Yeah. And I, I'm, still all, I'm still all about a trade for Gilmore. I, I know, I I know Gilmore's 30. I think it's very unrealistic that that is going to happen. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question, though. Because, look, he's on a $7 million salary this year. It's, it's been understood since at least before last season that he was never going to play on that contract. The intention was to save the, the Patriots a little bit of cap room and, uh, and set it up to where he could either be traded or sign a new deal and tear up the old one uh, this offseason. So the Patriots have given no indication that they're going to sign him to a new deal. Um, so I kind of think I he's like going to get traded. Changed. I don't know. I feel like things have changed for the Patriots in that regard. And, and I understand that, you know, they're, I think they want a first-round pick or they're not going to trade him. That's just what I think they want, and I don't blame them. And I think they may end up working out a deal for him because at this point, if you look at the moves that they're making, I know they're perplexing on some of these moves, but they're, they're, they're looking to make a splash in a big way and bounce back in a big way. So I kind of feel like Stephon Gilmore is going to stick around. He's got to be a part of that because Jason McCourty is a free agent and basically... That that's the only other ten really tenured defensive back, you know, opposite Stephon Gilmore. So, JC Jackson's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, they they got good players, but you know, talking tenure and you yeah. know the drop off from JC Jackson and Stephon Gilmore is pretty big. And Jalen Mills is not going to come in and play that Stephon Gilmore role, right? So we know that. No. But so I think they end up keeping him and were you working a deal? That's that's where I go. Unless they get in a first round draft pick, you know, at some point soon. The the wide receivers are something else that I feel like we need to dive into real quick. John Brown is has signed with the Raiders or so another deep threat off the board. And I, I think we both agree some sort of deep threat, whether that's a deep threat on the outside or deep threat on the in on the inside in the slot is what this team is lacking. Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, obviously are two guys that fit that mold. But as the days go on, Juju Smith-Schuster and Kenny Galladay are going to be cheaper and cheaper. Out of those four names, let's do five, Antonio Brown. Rank those five. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I've got to go Curtis Samuel, probably number one. Um. I'll go Will Fuller too because I just love the fit. Uh, you know, uh, both those guys bring elite speed uh, to the offense, which I think is what the Titans really need to go get uh, across from AJ Brown. AJ Brown is fast, but 
but a guy that can take the top off the defense and really be that vertical threat. And and maybe maybe I should actually flip flop it and make Fuller one at that point because Fuller is the best deep threat on this market, uh, bar none, even with the injury stuff. Um, so Fuller, Samuel, I think are one two. Uh, and then I'd probably go. Who are the, who are the other three? Is Juju? Yeah, Juju, uh, Kenny Galladay, and um, uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, um, I'll go Juju, Galladay, Brown. Uh, just for the Titans specifically. Like I think Galladay. Here's the thing. I think Galladay is probably the best overall player out of that group. But I think Galladay is too much of a replica of AJ Brown. Uh, from what types of routes they run to the way that they win i want a guy that gives me some contrast uh in style and ability um and i think fuller and samuel stand out as offering that for the titans how would you have them i would go i think i would go i think it's gonna be easier in this draft to find a slot guy if that's the way they choose now i would love curtis samuel but i think i'm gonna go will fuller kenny galladay than curtis samuel because I think that it's going to be harder to find the outside guy in this draft that can produce near what you need from Corey Davis, right? You, you want to get near that. But I love, if they walked away with Curtis Samuel only, I would love it, right? Like those three. And then I would put Antonio Brown, then Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I think Antonio Brown still got a lot left in the tank. I know it seems like he has gotten his act together a little bit we'll we'll see obviously but you know juju is is your he is a third wide receiver he is not a number two he i think he's a number two no he was a, he was a number two when it was him and ab yeah but that, that was then then he got pushed down to a number three with chase claypool deontay johnson i mean you know mm. he got pushed pretty quick by younger guys than him and I we mean, saw I, that when antonio brown left he pretty much wasn't anything so I, yeah, I, think I don't I don't totally love Juju like I do Fuller. Like Fuller or Samuel, I think are are easily the best fits. Um but Juju Juju does some stuff for you. Like he, he's a big physical slot guy. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think I don't think maybe I think I'm being a little too harsh, on, but on I mean I I I think he's a I think he's a number three and you know, TikTok stuff and all that kind of crap. I ain't got time. He is a little annoying. Yeah. So that will do it for us on Broadway Sports Radio. It has been a blast. We didn't probably cover as much as we wanted to, but there will be more to cover because guess what? We'll be back next week. Until then, go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are Broadway Sports Radio, and we are out.